Welcome back to another episode of Aboutcast. It is your host, Jordan. Um, and Julian, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. I'm uh, looking forward to being back on the mics, dropping some uh, knowledge, and breaking into today's topic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I missed you guys a lot. So it, this is a, uh, I don't know, a note for sore throat. That seems kind of a, a weird saying, but um, without further ado, I'm going to use this moment to quote the special person that we are going to be talking about today and just keep a mental image of who you think it is as I say the quote. And then obviously with the big reveal, everything will be in the light. Everything I have done, I did thinking that this day would come, that someday I would be able to check my answers. There were so many times that I thought I would be easier. It would be easier to just die. But then the dream I shared with my father would flash through my head. And now those answers are close enough to reach out and grab. So we are going to be talking about um, somebody who obviously has gone through some tough times, but you can now see that throughout everything in his life, the thing that's been keeping him alive in a sense, or, you know, keeping him there and present and moving forward is something that had to do with his father. So we'll be talking about all of that and more and why we think this person is also related to one of the greatest leaders in army history or military history. And Julian, do you mind letting everybody know who that person was that I just quoted? Yeah, the quote Jordan just dropped was from Erwin Smith. He is a character in a one of the top-rated television shows in the world, one of the top-rated animes of all time. Uh, this is proven on IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, incredible story, incredible writing, incredible characters. As we break down this character analysis of... Once again, Erwin Smith from Attack on Titan. I think that Erwin Smith, or the reason that we decided to do this, or I, I poked Julian to kind of consider this one, is because this character, even though his drive is one-dimensional, in a sense, and we'll talk about that a little further, but just holistically, his drive is one-dimensional, but he works in this very, very like 4D space of seeing somebody who is running through life in very difficult situations and affecting uh, the ecosystem in a real way, but has no, like, almost like no agency in it. Like, even though, um, you know, they take back Wal Maria or they, they're doing these things, they captured, um, they captured another Titan, so to speak, it all matters to Erwin as long as he's closer to understanding the reason or, you know, what is outside the walls. So it's not even, it's almost not a factor to him, which I find interesting in a sense. And so he actually uses people to almost as tools and not in a like, you know, like a psychopath way, but more in the way of he, you know, everybody's looking for the betterment of humanity and he doesn't really give a shit for my understanding like what the th what's the thing above that to him is figuring out about 
the question that he had in um, in the classroom with his dad. And Julian, do you mind giving us a little bit more context on that specific thing so we can build off of that? And so it's important to understand for those who are listening who have not seen Attack on Titan that Erwin is not the main character. He is a, a side character. In some regards, he's the main of obviously a certain storyline. And the basis of the show without spoiling is understanding the sub factions and sub social classes within this environment that is under attack from these unknown variables or titans and you have Irwin's path being shown from a very traditional background in relation to the tv show or the anime is that he is educated by his father in class and his father is essentially what you'd consider a history teacher um, and he's teaching him the history of the civilization prior why they're in their uh, surroundings the walled areas protected from the outside and during this Erwin has that question to understand where is this information coming from if we're trapped in here and there are humans before us how do we, and we've always been trapped in here, how do we know what's outside the wall? And essentially that is what drives Erwin at the base to pursue this information and understand what is outside of the wall or where this started and what's really out there as opposed to this information I'm just being fed from a uh, government uh, trickle-down system, so to speak. Yeah, and to add on to that, uh, another important thing to kind of play out here is that he kind of followed in his father's footsteps about being interested in history and at one point as almost like a cornerstone moment of Erwin is that he in his father's class he raised his hand and asked um, what is outside the walls so to speak so showed curiosity and knowingness that like Julian said there's a question in there because you know they didn't just um, you know materialize in these walls and this got his father killed and so this is kind of the reason that Erwin planned out the rest of his life. So we're talking about from joining the military to becoming, you know, the highest rank in what essentially is kind of the scouting, um, the scouts, I think they're actually called, of the actual military of this, you know, civilization in these walls. So it makes real perfect sense why he would become a scout, because those are the ones that adventure outside the walls. The only thing is that usually scouts are like the worst of the worst job when it comes to the military. So it's almost like being, I essentially equate it to like the first, you know, a bullet sponge and the fact that, you know, these guys are getting chewed up and, you know, have deaths every single time they go outside the walls. Um, but they're the only ones going outside the walls. So you have the military police and then the army that kind of um, stay inside the confined area. But the scouts are the ones that are uh, adventuring out to either observe or um, get more information, clear paths and stuff like that. So it makes perfect sense why Erwin would want to actually become a scout himself and how he kind of rose up. Now, the thing that I think um, is really important to get into is, you know, once he got there, because it makes sense of why he, you know, how he propelled himself to such heights. Um what did he actually do with the role? And um, what also 
like, you know, why are we comparing him to this great military leader and who is that? And I find it interesting when you laid it out in terms of Erwin planning his own destiny and his own path to solve this question that he's wondered since he was little that caused harm and the ability of now what you surmise down to the character based on that statement is his ability essentially just to kind of plan and strategy strategize at a very large scale because if you're anyone and you're trying to plan your life for the next 30 40 50 years that is a giant picture and you'll notice as we break Erwin down that that overarching mission statement for Erwin still is developing into smaller scale tidbits but it is always working on a large scale concept for him because he's putting him in a position that is uncomfortable and it is always uncomfortable to ask questions that you shouldn't be asking given the context of this show and how it influences his traits and his decisions to be the person that he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's also an aspect of, um, and I think this is actually a perfect time, and this that was a great segue to start comparing him to the person that we are um, thinking that he is in real life or, you know, builds off of. And there's a few, um, you know, uh, when reading and doing research, there was obviously a reference to, I guess maybe not obviously, but there was a reference to building Erwin off of the character in the Watchmen's called Osmandius. And so what Osmandius is about is he's a super powerful kind of like vigilante character that, um, and I won't ruin any like context. So I'll just give you really broad and high level um, who pretty much like has an idea and then kind of is okay with setting the world on fire in a sense to achieve it and um, making life very um, odd or difficult for other people in pursuit of his idea, which makes a lot of sense on what Erwin is about and very capable man. So my, I went, you know, going one level deeper, I thought that this character, and I'm I'm done like you know referencing this person behind this shadowy veil, but I just want to just for the you know the sense of theater, I wanted to give this human description about this person and tell me how well that fits in with Irwin as far as you know him. So his ability to dream, plan, and strategize on a large scale allowed him to win many battles, even when he was outnumbered. It also helped motivate his men. Whoever they or who knew they were a part of one of the greatest conquests in history. So I'm sure that, you know, alarm bells are ringing already. We're talking about Alexander the Great. And I think that that really perfectly lined up with what Erwin was about as far as, I mean, the take away the ability to dream. Because I think even though he had such a powerful, like, motivating factor, he had no ability outside of, you know, getting to understand what's outside of the walls and understand, you know, his father's philosophy or what his father uh, knew or was pursuing a new like him. There was nothing outside of that. So take that away. But his ability to strategize on a large scale and win many battles, even when he was outnumbered, I think that's perfectly illustrated by Irwin's actions. And, you know, help motivating his men to achieve some of the greatest conquests ever 
in the actual storyline. So that's why I think, among other things, why I think it makes such a clear representation or bridge between, you know, Erwin Smith and then Alexander the Great, too. Right. And when you utilize Alexander the Great as this comparison, one of the quotes that I found very interesting in the situation of Erwin and what placed him on his mission is Alexander the Great's quote that I'm indebted to my father for living, but to my teacher for living well, where if you understand Erwin's father plays both roles in there and providing the opportunity to seek out external information when information is unclear and kind of lead as an example. Because if you look at Alexander the Great, he followed and succeeded his father, Philip II. And Erwin in a slightly different route is following his father's footsteps to find that information that hasn't been told. And it can kind of play into that essential um, force and understanding to strategize over these years to motivate not only yourself, but others to follow down this path. So that's a really interesting point that you made or quote that you pulled out from Alexander the Great. And I think that in a sense, so a little history retake, Alexander the Great, um, he referenced his teacher who was one of the greatest philosophers and, um, you know, I think scholars in Aristotle. So he was getting taught from a very, very young age by one of the smartest and most articulate human beings um, and somebody that we highly revere in this society as well here in study. So I think that there's also a reason or a tie between, yes, um, Erwin didn't come from a Philip II, who was obviously had a massive empire to begin with. And so he had a lot to start with, but he did come from a, you know, I think he actually got taught the living well part and not the living um, in his case, because his father was almost essentially the teacher um, that kind of got cut short in a sense. So when you when you look at these, it's almost like one, um, you know, they both had something. And obviously, Alexander the Great lost his father at a very young age. I, I don't even think he was 20 or so by the time it happened. So I think there is somewhat of a similar arc. Um, granted, Irwin's is played up and dramatized because it is in a television show. But there is some really interesting, you know, things that you could take from both. And, you know, tell me, tell me, comment. Uh, and Julian, you absolutely have the responsibility and the privilege to tell me if I'm grasping at straws. But I think even if you look at their life development, there's obviously like right there, there's obviously connections as well. Yeah, I believe the core values of these leaders, one fictional, one historical align you know it may not be a clear-cut alignment but i think the motivation to push themselves further and gather this knowledge one is utilizing this knowledge and this power to rule many lands one is utilizing this to solve an unanswered question and i think in a lot of these times whether it's going for land maintaining an empire or solving a question that there's times in battles that you have to make decisions and you have to make the the clear-cut 
communication, even when you are outnumbered and which way is going to be the best to pursue that. And I think that's where you kind of start seeing them become entangled between each other in this comparison is how they utilized their core value to push those around them to succeed, to get closer to that end goal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And one thing that I kind of want to uh, highlight for give kudos is the show for being excellent at kind of imagery and stuff like that. When you mentioned making tough decisions in battle, going back to Irwin, um, you know, I think that one of the most kind of metaphorical uh, representations of that is when he pretty much, so keeping it broad, so no spoilers, uh, he led his, he led his group into battle and an outnumbered battle. And it was actually like extremely risky. Um, you know, to say that it was unnecessary, I'm not exactly sure. Um, there's a lot of details in there, but one thing that happened is once he compromised his men. And I think at that point, that was probably one of his main ones illustrated in the story to do. Uh, he got his arm bitten off. And then from there, he could not salute properly, which is a like a reoccurring thing. You'll see, you know, there's many times where, you know, the soldiers and the uh, military salute people there. And so I think that that is also like an excellent kudos, like tip of the hat to, from me to them of, you know, showing that once he kind of endangered his men's lives in that specific scenario, um, he was no longer able to kind of salute or um you know, fulfill his duty as a soldier itself. And it was kind of like the downfall or the spiral of um, Irwin as kind of the amazing leader in his own conscious, because I, you know, in a sense, and you'll see it at the very end when he actually sacrifices himself beyond his dream for the betterment of humanity. So it's like redemption to this monster um, in a sense that he is kind of you know i think he's playing in his own psyche in a sense too where he's tricked himself into believing that sometimes it's actually about the men and what you see at the very end as well uh it's you know julian what do you think about erwin as far as like you know if we're not comparing him to anybody and you were to kind of either interact with this person yourself or imagine how they would interact in any situation what would you you know what would you say about him or how would you describe his actions yeah, without any uh, spoilers, I think that, in my opinion, Erwin, there's three different acts to Erwin. I think there's the first act you meet in him where you think he is very aggressive, very almost emotionless when it comes to his decisions as he's pushing for his own goal. I think in the second act, you understand that Erwin is starting to understand the question he asked, which is a broad concept in itself, because I think the way I look at it is sometimes you ask questions, but you don't understand what you're asking. And I think he's starting to understand what he's asked and seeing small hints and answers to that question. And his emotions are starting to come into play a little bit more. And he's starting to think externally rather than internally. And I think in that third act, you get to understand that I think that Irwin has developed to a spot where he is now solely thinking externally for the better of humanity, not only inside 
the wall, but outside the wall and is making these decisions to continue not his fight, but a larger fight for that answer. So not that only he understands what's outside the wall. He wants everyone to understand what's outside the wall and what is cause or what is the source. And so I think that was makes him such a brilliantly written character is this evolution you see from a side character on his internal reasoning between his core driving factor to get him to where he was. Yeah, I I definitely totally. Oh, I I agree with what you were just saying as far as like his development as a character. And uh, it's really cool to see how, you know, not the main character, but um, somebody who's like developed so well in in a storyline and you get to see kind of this internal fracturing and this paradox of this person from single drive to kind of you know the human aspect and we're all fallible and even if we have a goal that you know we think that is unrelenting and like this is if i'm gonna die this is the thing that i'm gonna get done before it happens um in Irwin's case you know a human being was in there and you know it's not a machine and you know you see so many horrible things happening and it just comes out as you know you can't you can't keep it up for forever and i think that's where we saw uh the change in erwin like you were saying for sure but i think also this is a great example of why if you're not you should be watching attack on titan and we have a new season coming out here soon so it is going to be fire the last season actually season four are you hyped about that julian have you seen the trailer? I, I have seen the trailer, and it is unfortunate for the anime that this will be the final season. They've done a tremendous job so far, and you know, they're switching studios for this fourth and final season. It'll be interesting to see if it drives me to read the manga or the manga once this ends to understand. I'm sure there's a ton of Easter eggs that I've missed, Um what are you looking forward to in, you know, this upcoming season or final season of the show? The thing that I've realized with Attack on Titan is that I should not, you know, it would be foolish of me to give them some sort of bar to come across because every time I've like said, okay, well, this is how great this show is. So it should have this or invoke this in me. Um, it's done like that twofold. So, I'm no longer going to make silly estimations on one of the best shows that I've ever watched in my life because it's always, it's always surprised me in the best ways. So I think that, um, in a sense though, I think that it'll be very interesting and really, really action packed to see this last season because there are so many unanswered, you know, there's so many unanswered, um, questions and unfinished off storylines and things of that nature. So it'll just be like banger after banger back to back to back to back. Um, and so I'm just hyped for that because it's going to be a fun ride for sure. We're going to see a lot of characters like develop really, really fast before our eyes and kind of, I think they perfectly set the stage for that, um, at the end of season three. So, you know, continued success for attack on Titan, man. That's what I'm expecting. Do you think in this fourth season that any of the characters get an answer to the question that Irwin was seeking? 
Yeah. I mean, I think that th- that was answered in a sense beforehand. And it sucks that, you know, this is kind of, we kept it spoiler free because I really want to just, you know, say some stuff. But no, exactly. I think that it's set the stage. They know that they're are this force is out there and they know where it is in a sense because of the you know the information that they got from going into the basement and so you know it'll be interesting to see because it looks like they are going over and bringing the fight to the people or the you know the opposing force so um i think that in a sense the question is answered but you know the question's only answered in the context of other questions to follow. So Erwin was, you know, Erwin was a tiny stepping stone and almost his question was answered so quickly. And so now it's like, naturally, I can imagine what he would be like knowing the things that they know now going forward. I don't know if he would just be totally, completely satisfied and be like, oh, damn. Well, good to know. All right, homies, best of luck. Uh, I have one arm. I can't do this. Or, you know, he would just be driven even harder by real other questions that his father wouldn't had the privilege wouldn't have had the privilege to know as well and almost like continue the knowledge itself so we'll see man um it's a uh, i've nothing but like optimism for this stuff well i am uh looking forward to this fall when it's slated to come out uh, i hope this you know gave you guys some insight into the show and maybe you get the chance to watch it i understand that in some cases anime is a, a tough crossover but i would say in my opinion if you enjoy good writing and good character development that this show will meet those expectations uh, if you have seen the show, we, we'd love to hear, you know, your response on today's conversation and the topics we went over and maybe hear who your favorite characters were or maybe other characters we should dive into. Yep. Couldn't have said it better. Uh, I'm optimistic on our relationship to keep this moving. Um, you know, keep seeing you guys, keep talking to you guys, keep this journey alive and, you know, keeping it short and sweet. I'll see you next week. Catch you later. <laughs>